0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the summation of Joseph's life, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, a eunuch of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him at the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down to Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. The Lord was with Joseph. This is the summation of the man's life. As we pointed out this morning, it is interesting how that God can sum up a person's life with just a few words. The Lord was with Joseph. That's the story of his life. But you're sort of reminded of the fiddler on the roof where the fellow says, Lord, uh, I know we're the chosen people, would you mind choosing somebody else for a while? Because of all of the calamities that were happening. The Lord was with Joseph, but it is interesting that the Lord being with him did not spare him the hatred of his brothers, the jealousy. It did not spare him being sold by his brothers. It did not spare him from slavery. It did not spare him from false accusations. It did not spare him from temptation. It did not spare him from false imprisonment. Being a Christian is not any kind of a divine immunity from problems. In this world, Jesus said, ye shall have tribulation. Peter said, don't consider it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Everybody has problems, Christians and non-Christians alike. The big difference is with the Christians, the Lord being with us gives us a way out of temptation, a way out of our trials or victory in the midst of our trials. Now here Joseph was a slave. And what does it say about him in his slavery? The Lord was with him and prospered him. Even in these adverse circumstances, the hand of the Lord being with him, he was prospered by the Lord. And Joseph found grace in his master's sight, and he served him, and he made him an overseer over the house, and all that he had put in it, he put in Joseph's hands. Came to pass from that time, that he made him the overseer in his house and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not how much he had, save only the bread which he did eat. For Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Now that uh, is a a way of saying he was very handsome, just good looking. And good actions too. He was just a a very goodly, though, speaks of uh, his own personal physical appearance. He was just a very handsome young man and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master doesn't even know what I have in the house, for he has committed all that he has into my hands. There is none that is greater in his house than I, and neither has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now you must remember that Joseph at this time is in his early 20s, a time when in the body maturation those biological drives are becoming very powerful and he's just a normal young man and he is faced with a severe temptation. This woman in daily close contact, daily pressing him, urging him, pressuring him, To go to bed with her. It would have been easy for Joseph to have succumbed, but understanding who he was kept him pure. How can I? She was no doubt saying, Hey, you know, this happens all the time in Egypt, everybody's doing it. You know, it's common. It may be common for the world, but how can I? I'm not of the world, I'm a child of God. If I were a child of the world, yes, I might enter into such an arrangement, but I'm not a child of the world, I'm a child of God. How can I do this great wickedness? As a child of God, there are things that I cannot do because I am a child of God, and I don't care if the world around me is doing it, that's no excuse for me. How can I do this great wickedness? The recognition of who he was, a child of God. The Lord was with him, and that consciousness of the Lord's presence with him was very great. For how can I do this sin against God? You say nobody will see us. You say nobody will know. God knows. It was an awareness that sin is against God, even as David had the awareness when the prophet Nathan came to him and rebuked him for the relationship that he had with Bathsheba. David, in his prayer for mercy, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, for against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this great wickedness in thy sight. Paul tells us in Romans the sixth chapter, how can we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? That's the equivalent to Joseph's, how can I do this great wickedness? How can we, who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, who have been cleansed from the old life and the old nature, who have been made new creatures in Christ Jesus, who have been made one with Christ, how can we, being one with Christ, join Christ together with a harlot, with a prostitute, or with an illicit relationship? How can we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? You need to know who you are. You need to have that recognition of who you are and you need to have the recognition of God's presence with you at all times, you cannot and do not hide a thing from God and do this sin against God. How can I, who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, add more sins to Him? For He in His own body bore my sins on the tree How can we, dead to sin, be living in them? And so it came to pass, as she was speaking to Joseph day after day, that he did not hearken to her to lie with her. He started avoiding her. It came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men in the house. And she caught him by his garment and said, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. That fleeing, to me, was a sign of great courage and bravery, not of cowardice. It was a lot harder to run than it would have been to stay. It's a lot harder to run from temptation than to yield to temptation. It takes a lot more courage to run from temptation than to fall into temptation. Again, like my mom used to tell me, son, any dead fish can float down the stream. It takes a life fish to swim upstream. When the pressure is all going downhill, it's easy to coast downhill. It's much harder to run uphill against the pressures, against the mores, against the whole cultural concepts that we have. It's a lot harder to stand up for righteousness and morality and purity when the whole direction of the world is going downhill so fast, it's awfully hard to go uphill. It takes a lot more strength, a lot more courage, a lot more fortitude. Running is sometimes the wisest, bravest thing you can do. Paul said to Timothy, flee youthful lust. If you feel the pressure on If you feel yourself slipping Starting to go Hey, run Get out of there just as fast as you can Flee The place of temptation Oh, they may laugh They may say, look at him go Chicken Hey, that's all right Let them call me what they want I'm getting out of here This is no place for me. Flee youthful lust. So Joseph ran from her presence. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had run out, she called unto the men of the house and she spoke to them saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to mock us. And he came in to force me to lie with him And I cried, I screamed, and he ran. It is interesting that she is probably taking a certain bit of animosity and jealousy that they already had for Joseph because of his position. A Hebrew, he's made this Hebrew ruler in the house over you Egyptians. And now this man has has tried to disgrace me. If I hadn't screamed... He surely would have raped me. So it came to pass that when her husband came home, she spoke to him the same words, saying, The Hebrew servant which you have brought to us came in to mock me. And it came to pass as I screamed and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And so when the master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, his anger was kindled, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. (laughs) Wait a minute. How can that be? This is worse than the Tijuana jail. (laughs) And you've got false charges. Your family, man, they've sold you out. Now this woman is telling lies And you've you've been sentenced with an indefinite term Into prison And the Lord is with me But that's what it says The Lord was with Joseph That's the story of his life In prison, in slavery The Lord was with him It's glorious to know that the Lord is with me in the toughest circumstances of life. When everyone else has turned against me, when everything else has failed, the Lord is still with me. Oh, praise the Lord. Others may desert me. Others may turn against me, but the Lord never will. The Lord was with Joseph, even in prison. And he showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph The hand of all the prisoners that were in the prison And whatsoever they did there He was the doer of it And the keeper of the prison Did not look after anything That was under his hand Because the Lord was with Joseph And that which he did The Lord made it to prosper God's hand upon his life, whatever he did, God blessed it because of Joseph. The Lord was with him. So beautiful how God is with us and will be with us. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry against the two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. So these guys were pretty top-notch honchos. The chief of the butlers, the chief of the bakers, but somehow they got in trouble with the Pharaoh. Now it could be that the Pharaoh discovered a plot to kill him. It could be that the, that the taster, the butler, was bringing him the bread. And that the taster, eating the bread, dropped over dead. And so he doesn't know if the butler slipped it into the already baked loaf or if the baker did it. So he has them both thrown into prison until he can find out who the guilty party is. And so the investigation is going on while both of these men are in prison. And he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard unto the prison the place where Joseph was bound. So they were sent into the same prison where Joseph was. Now it is interesting, it's called the prison of the captain of the guard. We are told earlier in the story that the captain of the guard was none other than Potiphar. So it could be that Joseph was actually put in Potiphar's prison. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued for a while in the prison ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them in one night. And each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler, the baker of the king of Egypt, they were bound in the prison. And Joseph came to them in the morning. And he looked at them, and they were sad. He was very Joseph was an understanding, perceptive person. And he asked the Pharaoh's officers that were with him there in the ward of the Lord's house, saying, Hey, how come you guys look so sad today? And they said to him, Oh, we've had some weird dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me, I pray you, what did you dream? And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph. He said, In my dream, behold, there was a vine before me, the vine there were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and there were blossoms shot forth and clusters of grapes, ripe grapes. And the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup to the Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three days, the Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will deliver the Pharaoh's cup into his hand in the former manner when you were his butler. But hey, when this happens, remember me, think about me, that it might be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh to get me out of this place. So Joseph is saying, in terminating his dreams, that, hey, you're going to be back serving the Pharaoh again. But when you do, would you mind remembering tell the Pharaoh all about my story and try and get me out of this place? Man, you know. And, and so, for indeed, he said, I was stolen away of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I've done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon." Now, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, well, I was, have my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there was all kinds of pastries that I had baked for the Pharaoh. And the birds came and ate them out of the basket on my head. Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And within three days, the Pharaoh will lift your head from off of you. And he'll hang your body on a tree, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And so it came to pass on the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast to all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler to his butlership again. And he gave the cup into the Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief but remember Joseph, but forgot him. Your opportunity of getting free, but forgotten. And so for two more years, he languishes in the dungeon. How long Joseph was in, a, in the jail, for the total period of time, we don't know. But we do know that from the time that he was sold as a slave to his standing before Pharaoh was 13 years. Hey, that's an awful long time to be in those conditions of a sl- as a slave and a prisoner, both for causes beyond yourself, things you haven't done. It shows a little bit of Joseph's faith, unswerving faith in God. Many people, when adversities come, they begin to slip. They begin to question. They begin to doubt. If things don't work out just exactly like they think they were supposed to have worked out, they begin to murmur against the Lord and challenge God. Surely there is a remarkable insight into that steadfastness of Joseph in this whole experience. Now it came to pass at the end of two full years, that is after Joseph said, don't forget me, pal. Why won't? At the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, behold, he stood by the river, and there came up out of the river seven well-favored cows, fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river. They were ill-favored, lean flesh, and they stood by the other cows upon the bank of the river. And the ill-favored and lean flesh cows did eat up the seven well-favored and fat cows. So Pharaoh woke up. And he went back to sleep, and he dreamed again the second time. And behold, there were seven ears of corn
0: We return with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 39 through 41 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week May His hand be upon your life That this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with Him And that love and and commitment is restored And and it's just a glorious week of of thinking of Him, worshipping Him, serving Him, loving Him May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion to Him in Jesus' name.
0: This
2: program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lately, social media and our newscasters are predicting that worldwide calamity is right around the corner. In fact, so-called experts are saying we don't have much time left on the planet. Can we really believe this? Maybe they're just trying to scare us. Everybody seems to be asking the question, what is the world coming to? But as Christians, we don't need to be anxious because the answer is found in the book of Revelation. The word for today encourages our radio listeners to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation entitled, What the World is Coming To? Known for his simple teaching of the scriptures, Pastor Chuck's commentary will help every reader understand what God's plan is for the human race. Not only will this book educate you about the future, it's an excellent resource to equip you to give an answer to those who don't recognize God's coming judgment. To order your copy of What the World's Coming To by Chuck Smith in print or in digital format, please call 1-800-272-9673. Or you can order this book online at thewordfortoday.org.